Welcome to First Love Online Church with Nyral and O.C. Burnett. Flock is a ministry of First Love Fellowship whose mission is to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can support the mission of First Love Fellowship by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. And now join Nyral and Osi as they share on faith, trusting God without losing your mind, part three. God does things sometimes where he, he comes in when you least expect it. And he, he did indeed share a lot. And I want to share some of those things this, this morning. And this ties in with the faith message that we're dealing oh, with. Oh, yes. Absolutely, yeah. yes. And we're going to talk. That's actually the first scripture we're going to go to. We're going to start off with faith. Okay, so that's Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Now, one thing about the book of Hebrews, we look at this as the faith chapter. Mm-hmm. And it starts off saying, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Um, for by this, um, the, the faith, the, the men of old gained approval. Okay. Or the elders obtained a good report is what the King James Version says. Now, when you look at the examples of faith throughout this chapter, and this chapter is indeed called the Hall of Faith, you'll see so many instances of God moving through people because they operated in faith. So, for example, Abraham uh, obeyed God when he was called to go to a place and lived as a foreigner. Or Sarah received the ability to have a child. And, and so you'll, you'll see other men uh, after Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah, you'll see Isaac blessing Jacob or, or Joseph uh, referring to the promises of God and giving instructions. And Moses, you know, hidden for three months by his parents. When you look at these examples... You see something. Rahab the prostitute uh, was 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 not destroyed with those who were disobedient. And you've it's, it mentions also, you know, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David and Samuel, the prophets. And it says in verse 33, who by faith subdued kingdoms and ministered justice, obtained promised blessings, closed the mouth of lions. Extinguished the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, mighty, unbeatable, putting enemy forces to flight. I read these scriptures and I say, wait a minute, hold on. They did all of that with the very same faith Mm -hmm. that we say we have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they did mighty exploits in the earth with the very same faith that we have. And then it says in Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who do diligently seek him. So in the church today, we live in the same times, the same kind of place in history where there are life or death matters happening in the world right now. I don't know if you know it, but there's there's huge things happening in Israel right now. And it's not just Israel. No. Oh, it's Israel. It's Iran. It's Lebanon. It's Jordan. It's Syria. It's the nations of the world. Like the book of Acts say, the kings of the earth yes. take their stand. It's happening yes, right yes, now. Yes. 
And I'm hearing from every faction that exists. Uh, what was it? Yesterday in Germany, there were thousands of people that packed the streets. London, London. All, all across London, the, I, I can, you York. couldn't even count. New York City, Grand the same Central thing. Station. They took over Grand Central Station. The Brooklyn Bridge was packed with people and demonstrators climbing all up the side of the bridge and everything. And I'm thinking, okay, what is going on in the world today yeah. where all of these factions are rising up? And you're seeing it everywhere. And I begin to say, so what about us? What about the church? Like, do we get our own group and go out and hit the streets and start waving flags? What, what exactly is the church supposed to do? Well, one thing we're not supposed to do is just live and exist in business as usual. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, but business as usual is it? It can't be the 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 agenda of the day. But for most of us, we continue to live our regular lives. And the problem is, living our regular lives has gotten us nowhere, even without all the stuff in Israel. That's right. That's right. So imagine how little a difference it makes to stay normal. To stay where you are. Imagine how little a difference it makes now when so many things are happening in the world. And it makes me wonder, well, is there something in us? Is there something more that we can offer in this entire discourse going on in the world right now? Is there something else we can be that actually has an impact? Because the war we're fighting is not over land or money. The war we're fighting is over souls. Yeah. And so... There's got to be something in the church that says, okay, we have a response because we indeed have the Matthew 25 mandate that we can never forget. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me, right? What you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. Like we have this mandate and we've always had it. We, we've had it even before the whole thing in Israel happened. So what I'm saying is like, isn't there something about us? that can have some type of fire, some type of fuel that would make us stand out as the church during these times. And, and unfortunately, right now, what I'm seeing, at least in America, is we're all just doing what we've always done. And there's so much more for us. But I noticed something when I was away at, at, at IHOP. Our response to everything happening in the world right now is dependent on our spiritual life. It is dependent upon our actual devotional life. It's dependent on the quality of what we do when we go before God. So let me look real quickly at Psalms chapter 1. I'm going to turn it real quick. It says in Psalm chapter 1, and I mean most people have it memorized and, and, and so do I, but I'm going to read this here. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in a seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now this is a description of the blessed man. Yes. But this blessed man meditates on a word day and night. Day and night. This person has a devotional life that exists all the time. And I wonder, like, can I have a life like that? Can we all agree to have a life where our devotional life is always happening day and night it says that if that's the if that's you if you're one of those who who meditates in the law of the lord day and night it says that he will be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water which brings forth its fruit in its season yeah. 
His leaf will not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. That is the description of the person who finds themselves meditating in the word of God day and night, which means that the quality of your life, the quality of your prosperity in life, regardless of the situation going on in the world, the quality of it all is fully dependent on your devotion. And this is where we must be as believers, people of devotion. And that's the, that's the prayers, that's the reading of the word, that's the getting away sometimes for quiet. I think it was it's Catherine Coleman who, who, who mentioned something about like, like the, the restless sea, right? When, when the sea is restless, you can't see the reflection of the moon. But when that sea is quiet and still, you can see the reflection of the moon so clearly. It's the same thing with the souls of men. You cannot see without actually being still. She said, she said in, a, in a message, she said, you know, the, the Bible says, be still and know. But if you're not still, you will not know. And a lot of us, we get caught up in the busyness of this life. Listen, we need to learn to be still. And it's not just the business. You know, I realize something. There's some people who, who are not all that busy. Not in a sense of having to work and having to do a thousand things, but their minds and their hearts are so tormented and so constantly uh, being, being uh, uh, you know, just just shaken all the time. And, and so they can't sleep at night. And so they're thinking about things and, and their thoughts get the best of them constantly. And they're not still. Their soul is not still. And they cannot hear. They cannot see. Be still and know is a foreign thing to such people because they don't know how to be still. They don't know how to still their mind. They don't know how to keep still their spirit, man. I mean, what do you, what do you say to that when a person is not able to, to be still? Well, like you said, if you don't have a devotion life where you are convinced about who God is in your life, right. you're easily swayed. You know, the scripture says that a man that's planted on, a, on on sand, as soon as a wind comes, they're blown away. Right, right. And so issues come, drama happens, and people's minds are not, they're losing their minds. Yep. I mean, literally, I, you know, I'm, I am concerned... Uh, you know, for lack of a better word, I'm concerned about how many people have mind issues where they do not know how to control their thoughts. Right. They don't know how to control the thoughts, the, the things that come to your mind. And these there are way too many people in the body of Christ dealing with voices. Yes. It's yes. way too many people. And so when you have a devotional life, and I've, I talk to people about this all the time, that when you have a devotional life, and you are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You have you. There's a way for you to combat it. When you hear of something, when you when Satan is coming at you, and these imps and these demons are setting up issues for you to deal with and and fight and all of that, the Word of God is what suppo what's supposed to come out of you. If you cannot recite the Word of God when you're going through something. Mm -hmm. 
you're going to fall in these days because so, all it's going to take is, you know, something happening to you and you don't have the word of God to, to, that's why we're, we're, we're emphasizing devotion. Most of the people that you see, you know, they look at our lives or if you see a pastor or if you see really, I mean, I mean, it's hard now, but most pastors don't have a devotional life. So they just go based on their charismata. But mm -hmm. having a devotion life and having the word of God in you, read your Bible, pray every day and you grow, grow, grow. It's literally a thing. So what do you say to the person who and, and I think that a lot of us have gone through this in our Christian lives where it's like I, I understand that it's important to have a devotional life. But there's something about me <laughs> that while I know it's important I don't feel like sitting down and reading this incredibly <laughs> boring Bible every single day. And, and when I'm praying, it feels like I'm just talking to the walls or speaking to the wind. And I can't really connect what I'm doing in my private devotion time with with getting the practical issues of my life taken care of. Like, like. You know why am I why am I trying to reconcile my my Abrahamic covenant rights uh, when I'm trying to pay my rent? Like uh, what 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 does one have to do with the other? Doesn't make any sense to me. Like what do you say to that person who says, "Listen, my devotional life has nothing to do with my life life." That makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jesus, you know, everything that he did. Everything that he, that he did and who he was, where he stayed, right. where he lived, right? In order for him to know where to lay his head or to go somewhere, he had to have a devotion life. Right. So you, you, you cannot not have a devotion life because it's in the devotion life you get direction from God. And you can't say, well, I don't feel like doing this or I don't want to do this. When you yeah. have a devotion life, you're saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And it may be uncomfortable. It may be completely wacky to you. It may be crazy. You're like, Lord, I don't even have it. I don't even have it in me to do, you know? So, but when you, you have to, in order for you to be that person, you have to have a devotion life. Jesus was our example. Jesus talked to the Father all the time. When he was tempted, he had the word in him. He said, it is written. He didn't say, I can't believe Satan, you stepped up to me. How dare you? You know, <laughs> he, he, all he did was he said, it is written. You right. know, he didn't come with his person. You know, he could say, I am God. You know what I mean? Right. He could have done he could have done a myriad of things. But he said, it is written. This is what and he applied the word to the situation that was happening. So you can't say you, how are you going to have a a, a, a a life where there's so many things going on and you don't have a devotional life? You don't have a, a life where you are spending time with God in prayer and in, and, and in it's prayer and reading the word and knowing the word and studying the word. You're not going to you're not going to make it right. And, and you can't tell the devil it is written if you don't know what what's is written. written. Right. So the scripture also tells us be anxious for nothing. But in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Yeah. So prayer, supplication. They need to write this down. With thanksgiving, let your requests prayer, be made known to God. Supplication with thanksgiving. In all things. Yep. In all things. 
And then the peace of God that passes all understanding guards your heart Hearts and, and your, your mind. mind. See, so while everybody's running to go see a therapist, right? The, the word of God actually tells you what needs to be done in order to, to actually have peace in your heart and in your mind. We, we, we have this tendency, though, to we keep searching in the wrong place for the answers. If the word of God does not have the answer to the fallen condition... If the word of God does not have the answer to the fallen human condition, it is not the word of God. Hmm. It's not. There is no such thing as Jesus and therapy. Please throw it. If you have that T-shirt <laughs> or you know somebody that has that T-shirt or Facebook status, but tell it to throw it away. <laughs> there's no such thing as Jesus and therapy. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus and anything is a mixture. Ooh, write that down. Jesus does not need help. I'm going to make that a t-shirt. No, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus does not Write need that help. Down. I, yeah, we need to do okay? more of this, actually. But, okay. Because the word of God is the full answer to the fallen human condition. And the problem is we're so, we tend to be so full of ourselves so full that, of ourselves. that we, we dive into the <laughs> Sorry. We dive into the word. And the word is telling us to die so to ourselves. The word is telling us things like, not my will, but thy will be done. The word is telling us, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And so, as a result, you can't get into this word too much and remain full of yourself. In fact, you can't get in faith and remain full of yourself. Because when you look at Hebrews 11, and it talks about faith, it's talking about people being sawed in half by faith. That's the kind of faith that's not about you. See, what we tend to think is that faith is, you know, Lord God, I, I just speak I decree, it. I decree and declare. Right now. I, <laughs> I want, I want my, my this, I, I like want my that. that decree and declare. I decree and declare. Right. But you can't decree and declare unless you can properly represent the one who sent you yeah. to decree and declare. Yeah. You're declaring and decreeing the will of the kingdom. You're not trying to do some magic trick. Mm -mm. You can't decree and declare a Cadillac. Stop that. You only decree and declare what heaven has already spoken. Yes. You can't just make stuff up. Yeah. decree and declare a, a, a husband a, a de decree and declare a car decree and, this, this is a mess y'all yeah. that's not faith yeah that's not genuine faith how could that be faith if without faith it's impossible to please god the only time faith is valid is when it pertains to the things that please god and god himself yeah. is pleased with what god himself has said so that being said though I want us to understand we're not designed to live this life, though, just managing one personal issue, one personal trial after another. See, the enemy uses the cares of this world to make it seem as though everything we exist for mm -hmm. is all about me. That's the trick of the enemy is for you. You know, how people say, take care of yourself. Well, actually, no. <laughs> take care of yourself. Listen, I, I, I did not birth myself into this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I, it, I had no choice in being birthed into this world. I can't take care of myself yeah. because I don't know what to do with myself. That's right, that's right. But when you look and realize that it is the Lord taking care of us, understand, we're not called to manage these trials on our own. We're not called to just fall into one failed relationship oh after another. Oh, my gosh, yes. 
We're not called to be in one misguided venture after another. Y'all, this has got to stop. God has designed you in such a way that should make failure a surprise. Yeah. There's something about the child of God. There's something about the child of God that just cannot be satisfied with failure. There's something about being a child of God that makes us what we just cannot be satisfied with the lack of provision. There's something about the mm-hmm. child of God. I'm mm-hmm. serious. Where, because you look at this word and you realize, wait a minute. God is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his own promises. So, so there's something about me that if I see something in the word that is promised, that is the will of God, yes. I, cannot, uh, uh, I cannot reconcile the idea that what is promised here is not actually happening in my, my life. life. Yes. Because there's too, much, there's, there's too much at stake here. Remember, if the word of God does not answer the human condition, it's not the word of God. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and, and the problem is when we pray, the danger of prayer is that the more you ask when you pray, here we go. The more you ask when you pray, the more you have to die to yourself ah, to see the answer. Jeez. It's like a part of you has to die. You know, I, I've been praying a lot lately uh, about particular things and I realized, oh my goodness, there's a part of me that is still alive in this particular area. It must go. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's prayer, if it's fasting, if yes. it, whatever needs to be done, that part of me has to die. Yeah. And when you pray, there ought to be a dying in you. Yes. Of your will, a dying in you of your own carnality. A dying in you of your own opinions and your own thoughts. A dying in you of your own way. The scripture says in Isaiah, all we like sheep have turned astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. But look at many of us. We worship our own way. I think even in our, our, our Western culture, we idolize our, our own, own comfort mm-hmm. and our own way and our own opinion. Have you noticed? Like in our day and age, if you look at Gen Z right now, I know the church idolizes Gen Z. Oh, we got to get Gen Z. Meanwhile, boomers are dying and going to hell every day. But I'm going to just leave that there. Mm-hmm. But am I wrong? No, like, like, look, we got to reach old folks. Old folks they're are dying because they're supposed to die right now. <laughs> and we ain't reaching them. They're closer to heaven. They, they are closer to heaven or hell than anybody else. And everybody trying to reach Gen Z. But I, 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 let, let's move on from there. But Gen Z right now, if you go and, 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 and speak to Gen Zers right now, they actually don't know the difference between a fact and an opinion. No, they don't. They idolize how they see they things think. in their own eyes. Yeah. yeah. So, so you can give facts, right? And they'll say, well, I see it differently. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, but. This- what does that the sky is blue, right? Just be- <laughs> <laughs> I see it differently, you know. Oh, but that's what they're taught, though. That's what the spirit of this age is teaching them. Right. Now, you can see it. You can have a different. No, the sky is blue. No, but you can see it differently. You can have a different thought about that. What? Yeah, I mean, Those like. Those clouds. Well, you don't have to really call it clouds. Or that is a dog. 
And you don't really, that's your perception based on your lenses. What? Yeah, there was a thing I was looking at looking at on the news. It, it was um, uh, LGBTQ for for Palestine, for Ham- It was like they they were literally um, standing for Hamas. I wish I, I wish you could bring the camera closer. And like, guys, closer. listen, listen. No, no, don't do it, don't. But you know they they and I just read what you what you it, the, a Palestinian a Muslim said we do not tolerate yeah. homosexuality. And if you do practice this here, we will kill you. Oh, is that what they said? That's what they said. That, and that's what they commonly say. Like, and, and, and yet you get these Gen Zers in, on this side of the like, pond wait, who are like, well, my, my, deep, being my deeply held beliefs are so important that somehow or another. They're going to keep you alive. They're, they're, they're not going to care. We're going we're gonna to all work together. Kids. No, right. you, you know, th- there, are, there are facts and then there, there, there's, there's stupidity. And, and so stupidity. people idolize their own opinion and think that it has power somehow. And what bothers me is that people in older generations are letting them do this. Yeah. They, but they're just, you know, they're just tired. Uh, they, they better <laughs> no, they'll tell me. They'll yeah. tell me, listen, I'm tired of dealing. You know, I raised my children and now they don't, they don't, <laughs> they don't have baby kids. And these kids, I don't want to deal with them. I'm just going to die and let them have that. You know, it's that. Uh, what do you call it? Syndrome, the what's the Hezekiah syndrome? King Hezekiah, where mm-hmm. good, let it all fall on them. I'm just gonna die and move on. Right, and and this is what happens when you have a whole generation full of people who got participation trophies. Yeah, you know, like the facts say, either you won or lost. Like if you're playing a baseball game, and your team lost eleven to two, then you lost. Then you lost. Don't you don't get a trophy. <laughs> you get a lecture on how you need to try harder next time right and then next time maybe you'll win if you try harder this generation not so much they'll say things like not only did we lose and need a participation trophy but little jimmy wants to be a girl so he needs special recognition for his bravery (sighs) to play in the boys league and then little jimmy goes to the girls league now he was nothing in the boys league he goes to the girls league and he's he's number one they them is a a a, a world champion she it (laughs) But that's the generation we live in. And I'm going to tell you, we're having this, conversation. this generation is in need of a Christian church full of people oh, who actually have a devotional life, who actually position themselves every single day to hear from heaven. Can I? I'm sorry yeah, to cut you. So because what just came to me was everybody thinks they have a devotional life. Yeah. Okay. If you have a devotional life and you're still in sin, you don't have a devotional life. Wow. Yeah, that's not devoted. I, I wanted to say that out loud. If you have a devotional life, you are reading this Bible, you are praying, but you are chilling in sin. You don't have a devotional life. Right. There's no, you you can't, because the Holy Spirit in you, before you walk into, the, when you walk into the closet to talk to him, your something inside of you is gonna say, "Okay, you didn't, you didn't, you're you're in sin, and sin means you didn't tell the truth, you didn't, you you're you're doing things you're not supposed to do, you're watching, you're not. If you're just continuing on and you're in sin, and you have no, there's nothing in you that makes you, convicts you of sin. You do not have a devotional life. Amen." Amen. It says in the scripture in Romans chapter chapter one, 
It says, for even though they knew God, yeah, they did not honor him as God. Yeah. Now that part right there. Like you can do all the Bible reading you want, but we must honor him as God. Yes. Which means that whatever we read in the scripture, he is in charge. He is the He's boss. In charge. We are subject to this word. So we're like again, a Gen Z thing, right? Well, I'm not sure if I agree with that. But like this scripture over here is good and I like it. But this one over here, I'm not really sure. So I'm going to see if I can do something about this verse here. But the one over here, I'm just not I'm just not feeling it. I, I'm sorry. And, and, and these kids are saying this. And it says right here, listen, you honor him as God. It says, listen to this. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking, ah. godless with pointless reasonings and silly speculations. Oh, God. And their foolish heart was darkened. God, we're living this. Claiming to be wise. They became fools. They became fools. One of the issues with our generation right now is that everyone knows everything. Listen, I listen, I don't agree with every preacher I hear, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. There are some people who have paid their dues that I disagree with on some things. Keep my mouth uh, shut. Yes, yes. Keep my mouth shut. Because, you know, when a person has paid their dues and they've, they've done the service unto God and you agree with something that's a non-central issue, okay? Um, that's not my opportunity to call that person a false teacher and a heretic, you see that all day yeah, long, no every day. Honor, I'm like, y'all, come on. We got to no show some honor. honor. I may not agree with everything that, that MacArthur says, but listen, there's got to be a measure of honor when I listen to this man. Oh, she's like, I don't know. But listen, different. even if the honor is not returned. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Even if the Bible says, Paul says, whether it be in pretense or in truth, Christ, Christ is, is preached preach. and I rejoice. Yeah, yeah. So we, we you know. We can't just go calling everybody false teacher, false this, or so easily disagree with someone who has run circles around you well, yeah, in, in examining them. Can I address, this, like, teenagers, even children. I mean, children, teenagers, all that. You know, when you, if you learn this lesson early, yeah. you will save yourself a lot of heartache. Amen. This, this inclination of thinking that you know it all, and what you're feeling is right. If you are in Christ, humility should be your first bent. Amen. Humility says, I go low. Yeah. I go low. Even when I'm wrong, even when my parents are wrong, um, not even when I'm wrong, but even when my parents are wrong or people are doing me wrong, when you walk in humility, and you know, our generation, when we were growing up, it wasn't an option. You know, you didn't you didn't have an opinion. If you looked wrong, all you saw was a swipe on your lip. Now kids get away with anything. They roll their eyes and all that stuff and you know, but in our day, you couldn't even express what you thought because it was dishonor. Right. So if you discipline your spirit and when you say you have a devotion life, that devotion life will show you how to have self-control over your emotions, over what you want to do, and help you go low. Where, whereas where you feel like you want to defend yourself, you want to do what you want to do, and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, you will be part of a narrow group of people that have chosen Jesus' way. 
Yeah, concerning uh, any young person, I'll say this, and, and then we'll, we'll continue on, but whenever there's a young person with a humble, teachable spirit, oh my goodness. It's like, it makes me feel like the, the work that's being done, it, it's like you just see hope. You see hope. When you see a young person with a humble, teachable spirit, it is such huge, a, 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 a rarity, such of a... Um, a, a precious thing to see because you know that the the message of the gospel will be perpetuated yes. um, because they have a humble, teachable spirit. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's like, even when they're, they're, they're corrected and instructed, they actually do the thing they were corrected and instructed in. And it's like, Whoa, this is crazy. Like I'm telling you, seeing that, attribute it's like you were saying it's one of the most important things for a young person to have that humble teachable spirit it just it, it does so much yes. um e even you know even when i'm instructed myself by an elder yep the opportunity to actually do what i'm being instructed in uh it, it's it's i know in my own mind now that it blesses them yes to actually step out and do it but it's the 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 worship of one's own opinion in one's own way that is nothing but frustration so listen again the, the danger of prayer is this if you're going to ask big in prayer just understand there's a lot of dying that needs to be done there's a lot yeah when you say lord i want my city saved who do you think he's going to send to your city you when you say, Lord, send forth laborers into the harvest, who do you think is the first one he's going to send forth into the harvest? That's you. You're it. You know? Uh, so, so even when you pray God's will, it's like you still have to die to yourself. There is a dying that happens, but your devotional life should do that. Yes. Your devotional life should decrease you. Yes, write that down. Your devotional life should decrease you. Your it should slip it should take away from you your right to 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 have an opinion on matters that God is speaking of. Yes. Your devotional life should make it where you're able to like Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane, nevertheless, never the less. Not my will. Never. Cuz your will is the less. Yes. That's, that's, that's nothing. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's that's what our devotional life should do. And so then it doesn't matter, right, when the enemy comes and tries to beat up on you, when the enemy comes to try to torment you, when the enemy comes to try to bring fear. Listen, you can't put fear in the heart of a corpse. You can't make a dead man afraid. When a person has died to their own will, when a person looks at their sin and says, you're dead to me. Yeah. Listen, that's that's it. Like our devotional life, though, should be a journey to discover that dead man has no need to lie. Right. Like like the, the, this is this is true Christianity. This is not. And, and we talked about this on Friday because we talk about praying in the spirit. Y'all, praying in the spirit is not just stubborn, stammering off some tongues. That's not praying in the spirit. And if, if, if you're praying in tongues, but you're not dying, yeah. stop praying in tongues. It's fake. Did I say that? Yeah. Okay, I, I love what you say. I love what you say. 
when you're repenting, you don't pray in tongues. Yes. You repent in English. You don't repent in tongues. You know, we, we, you know, you call people to pray together and say, okay, this is a time of repentance. And everybody's speaking in tongues. You didn't repent of Sean Debo. <laughs> you know, okay. That's not the sin you committed. Oh, God, help us all. You're sitting up at two o'clock in the morning on some ungodly website. Speak that in English. You lusting after somebody you see at works. Repent of that in English. You lied. Flat out lied with a bold face. Repent of that in English. You lied in English. How are you going to lie in English and then, and then repent in tongues? The devil is a liar. No, if you are speaking, listen, praying in the spirit is when you're praying in such a way that your flesh becomes nothing. Jesus. It has no influence. It has no authority. And the only thing left to pray with is the spirit because the flesh is laid out. The flesh has nothing, no, no, no influence, no drive, no. When you're praying in the spirit, your flesh doesn't even get tired. When you're praying in the spirit, your flesh doesn't say, okay, we're praying for a long time now. No, when you're praying in the spirit, your flesh is just a slave. That's praying in the spirit as opposed to praying in the flesh. Now, once you are praying in the spirit, and what I, again, what I mean by that is when you're finally at that place where the flesh is completely out of the way and you are in the spirit praying, go ahead and speak in tongues. Go ahead and pray in tongues because now it means something. It says he that speaks un in an unknown tongue speaks uh, not unto man, but unto God. Right. For, because because in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. You're not going to speak mysteries in the flesh. You're going to pray with the spirit, like, like Paul says. Uh, and, and, and sometimes you pray with the spirit. Sometimes you pray with understanding. Sometimes you'll sing with the spirit. Sometimes you'll sing with understanding. Listen, this whole thing, we, we automatically go to tongues because that's our culture. But it's not the spiritual reality of most of us. Yeah. Yeah. We think we're praying in the spirit, but we're not. Guys, anyone can go shindini, shindini, shindini. Anyone can say that. That is not something special in the spirit. Mm -mm. I'm going to tell you, you something special in the spirit. You know what's special in the spirit, though? It's when your flesh is out of the way. Oh, God. That's Jesus. special. Jesus. It's when you have a group of people who, who know for a fact that in their devotional time, their flesh does not matter. Their will does not matter. The only thing that matters is what this word is speaking. That is praying in the spirit. And if you're not there, stop trying to prophesy, stop trying to speak in tongues, stop trying to lay hands on people. And the amazing thing is that this type of devotional life, it is possible to have this every single day, every day, all the time. It is possible to live like this. In fact, it should be a part of the culture of the church where we're all relating to each other and fellowshipping with each other in the spirit Meaning that when I see you, when we gather together, we should see each other in the spirit. And if we're not in the spirit, then what's happening is we're just we're 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 just seeing each other in the flesh. The Bible says, "No, no man after the flesh." Why are we seeing each other in the flesh? There's no need for it. 
when we see each other, we need to see each other in the spirit and fellowshipping in the spirit. And um, this is what God's sorry, expectation is. Before you continue, the video just went off. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, we're working on it. Um, there it is. Okay, we're back now. So we didn't have to take off. Thank God. Praise God. So if we're fellowshipping with each other in the spirit, that's the atmosphere for miracles. Um, can I? Okay. They just give a, a personal testimony, you know, because one of the things that I've, uh, you know, um, spoken to young adults and young people about when I've ministered to them all these years um, was the fact that because, uh, you know, one thing I tried to deal with all the time was the fact that young people and young adults are always enamored with the stage. Okay. Yeah. You grow up with t television. You grow up with all of these people that are on television and, and you get enamored the with the stage, being able to be seen, especially if you're a young person that has grown up in a house and you're 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 you're, you're an orphan you 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 haven't been able to t express yourself See, you know you're dealing with issues you come from there's so many broken families and so the young people and young adults are very enamored with this okay and you know you know when we would minister or you know you know people when people will always say you know auntie Osi, how I want to do what you do. I want to I want to be like you. I want to do what you're doing. I want to sing on the stage. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I, you know, the first thing and it used to irritate my spirit. I wasn't irritated at them because that's what they've been taught. That's all they see in their churches. This just this pastor centric one person standing up here mm -hmm. with thousands of people. What does that do to your ego? If you have no humility and you have no, nobody has given you an, an identity. Now you have thousands of people listening to you sing or thousands of people listening to you preach. And your identity now says, okay, I want to be that. So what I would always tell them was, get out your phone. And they would get out their phone and say, right, type this number. And I'll tie, I would, I would tell them my husband's phone number. And I would say, I want you to call my husband and see how I'm treating him at home. Or talk to my children and see how I'm treating them at home. Because I can do this and I can fake this and not have a devotional life. Right. So this does not matter. And so I always told people, I said, when you have issues, when you have stuff that you are contending with, you're, you're, the, the way that I survived, or I still survive, is my devotional life. Is because I can go to God with my weaknesses, with the stuff that I struggle with, the stuff that I'm angry about, all the stuff that I deal with, I take to my devotional time and allow him to deal with my heart so he won't embarrass me in public. So if you have a devotional life, God can come and deal with you and say, listen, 
You need to you need to you need to relax. You you're traveling too much. He told me this. You're traveling too much, and he stopped me with with me having a stroke. That was my wake up call. Yeah. But it was my devotional life that was able to. I could have said no. There are people to reach. There are you know there are souls to win. So I have to go sing to the nations. Mm-hmm. My identity is not in what I do. My identity is in my devotional life with him. Amen. My identity is in me knowing him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. That's how I die daily. That's how I don't tell people off. That's how I don't protect myself by lying. That's how I, you know, stay out of sin. That's how I can say, okay, I can't watch this. I can't watch that. I can't do this because my devotional life, the Holy Spirit can strip me of myself. That's how I've survived all this time. So don't look at this as the main goal. All of this will pass away, but your devotional life is eternal. It's eternal. Amen. Let me tell you something about this devotional life too. A lot of people harbor bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. When you harbor those things, and and this is going to be very hard to hear for some people. When you harbor those things, what you're telling me is that you've not been praying. What you're telling me is that you don't have a devotional life. You've not been fellowshipping with God. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to show you in scripture. Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Which means that if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, there is no other prayer for you to pray. We've got to get the unforgiveness out of the way. Before you pray for your car payment to go through, unforgiveness has to be dealt with. Before you pray for your own personal healing, unforgiveness has to get out the way. Before you pray about how they treated you and what they did against you and how your haters wronged you, all those different things, unforgiveness has to get out of the way. Because it says here that you forgive them so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions and wrongdoings. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your transgressions. So you see, your prayer life starts at the dying to your own rights of vindication. Oh, no, but they owe me an explanation. Actually, no, they don't. They need to explain themselves. Actually, you know what? If you want to have a relationship with God, they don't owe you anything. I know, but I just think that they need to, 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 to come to me and get this, make this right. Actually, no, they don't need to come to you and make anything right. God says in his word, vengeance is mine. I will repay you, though. Your responsibility is to forgive them. Your responsibility, the Lord's prayer, when he said, Lord, teach us to pray. Yeah. Part of the Lord's prayer is what? And Lord, forgive us our debts as, as we, we forgive our debtors. I'm, I'm sharing this because this is what your devotional life should look like. Oh, God, I forgive them. I may not even feel it, but I forgive them. I let them go. I release the debt. Lord, Lord, remove this anger from my heart. Remove this yeah, bitterness from my heart. Yeah. Remove, you know, this, this frustration from me. That's what a devotional life looks like. 
You can't be decreeing and declaring and you still mad at people. I'm sorry, but if you've been praying, what that means is that everyone has been forgiven. If you've been praying, you have spread forth mercy upon everyone. I'm, I'm sharing this because this is how you get healed. This is how you, this is how you have a devotional. See, but we're running to every therapist in town. But we're not. We're, listen, y'all, don't get me started. But there are people. I, I knew a lady who, who spent 20 years with a therapist. She was in therapy for 20 years, paying this person to, to, to do therapy. And she went to my church. This is back at the back at, you know, across mm-hmm. town there. But but she went to, to, to my church. And I thought, well, well, what's the church for? Like, is, is there a, a, a connection with God that you ought to be getting pushed toward? You know, I, honestly, honestly, when, even when people want like pastoral counseling, you know, I, I think that personally there should be a, 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 a demand of like, I need you to spend X amount of time in prayer before we get together. I need you to seek the Lord because a lot of times the answer is already there. Unless there's something wrong with your hearing, the answer is already there in your prayer closet, in your devotional life. And we miss it simply because we don't have a devotional life. See, it's like people, it's like they want you to get busy taking care of them, but they don't want to get busy getting in the presence of God and opening up this word and seeing what it says. And I'll tell you something, Mark chapter 11, verses 25 to 26, they bring those two verses, Mark 11, 25 to 26. Those two verses will bring healing to so much of our lives when it comes to our interpersonal relationships and when it comes to things that have happened in our past. Like, if we can just get past this, most of our relational issues will get resolved. But that's what your devotional life is supposed to look like. That's the thing that is to heal you. That's the place of your healing. That's the place of your restoration. Um, I want to I share a couple things about the devotional life and what it does. So, are we ready? Uh, can, can I share it now? Are we good? Did they, did they go back off? Okay. So the devotional life, there there are three things. So first of all, it inspires direction. Type it in. So you you know you find yourself in a place in life where you're going through the same kind of trials over and over again. You're circling this mountain over and over again all the time. It's the same stuff. You know, most Christians, we don't go through a thousand trials, different kinds of trials. We go through different versions of the same mess every year. Listen. Different version. It's like just it's the same mess, but with a wearing a different sweater. That's all it is. And so when we have a devotional life, it inspires direction so that you know the thing you need to do or the direction you need to go in life. There, there's a there is a, I love the, the, the Keith Moore, the, the place of prosperity that we posted on one body. Um, there, there is a place. There is a pathway to prospering in life for every single one of us. There is a pathway to healing for every single one of us. There is a pathway to joy. There is a pathway to contentment. It exists. I don't care how many different medications. I'm being very serious here. I don't care how many different medications you're taking to keep your mind together. I don't care how many therapists you're seeing to keep your mind together. There is a pathway that the Lord has for you that can bring complete healing. 
And listen, if, if we can't believe that, then we just don't believe the word. It's true. Because with his stripes, we were healed. And, um, you know, that, that wasn't fake. That was the truth and remains the truth. But there is a pathway to healing. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. Gen Z, millennials, don't lean to your own understanding. Don't worship your own opinion. Don't do it. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your paths. See, God has the pathway. I think the problem is we have trouble with acknowledging him in all of our ways. See, we'll give God a piece of us. We'll give God segments of our life, right? But we won't give him our time that we, we jump into habitual sin. Acting like I need this. I think someone was debating about, you know, whether or not they should, should watch uh, certain movies, you know, just fighting back and forth over that. And I'm like, listen, hold on. Are we going to fight over how much of the world we can get? We ought to be questioning how much of God we can get. Yeah. You know, so it also says that, that many are the thoughts or plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like, like the Lord has a pathway the lord has a pathway and a direction that he's called us to go proverbs chapter 16 9 though many of the plans in a man's heart but the lord directs his step one thing i know about god that i learned about god from personal experience god can demand that you be he can give you one correction one correction and everything in life all of your progress stops until that one thing is corrected that just that one thing. And it's like, and if you don't heed that correction, the things, the progress that could have taken you maybe a year's time, next thing you know, 10 years have passed by. And you're still there. Mm-hmm. You're still in unforgiveness. And, and you, you know, one failed relationship after another because you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. You know, people say, well, I have problems. I have issues with rejection. Yeah, and people who have issues with rejection, you know what they do? They reject people. Yep. You know that. People with rejection issues reject people. And a lot of times they reject people that love them because they can't discern who to trust and who not to trust. That's the other thing. People say, well, I have trust issues. I have trust issues with people. No, you have pride issues too. Because when I ask a person who has trust issues, like I have trust issues, right? And I say, well, can you be trusted? (laughs) Well, if they say, yes, I can be trusted, then it's like, well, well, then you're better than everybody. And if they say, no, they cannot be trusted, well, they've just answered my concern. They can't be trusted. So a devotional life, though, it inspires direction. It tells you the direction that you must go and the thing that you must do that comes from your devotion. That's the, you know, when people say, you know, what if there's a yes or no answer that's not necessarily written in Scripture? You know, should I, should I, you know, move to Memphis, Tennessee, or should I move to, you know, Moscow? Well, you can't read your Bible and say, well, you know, the Bible says Memphis. No, but your devotional life will tell you clearly what you need to, to, but you have to be in a place where your will, your self-will has died and you're hearing from the Spirit of God. You understand, if you move the flesh out of the way, your spirit will hear from God. Yeah. It says in the scripture that the spirit 
itself bears witness with our spirit. This is Romans chapter 8. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Which means then that the Holy Spirit does not speak to your flesh. The Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit. Yeah. But you can't hear in the spirit if you're in the flesh. If you get out of the flesh, you will hear the spirit of God speaking to your spirit. But if you indulge in the world, don't tell me you had a prophecy. Don't tell me. No, I'm sorry. Don't tell me you had a vision or a dream. You sitting up at three o'clock in the morning looking at mess. Don't tell me about your dream. Look at your Spotify and it's filled with every every hip hop and rock group that the secular mess that's out there. Don't tell me because you, you know what? You're feeding yourself the world. You're holding bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and anger in your heart. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear it. Because your spirit is not hearing. Your flesh is hearing. And even your prophecies are tainted by flesh. You're singing. Your singing is tainted. You're preaching. All of it is tainted by flesh. Your devotional life inspires direction. And like, like, like she said, you know, you, you, the Bible says be still and know. But if you're not still... You will not know. All right, next thing that your devotional life does. We have three things. Number one, inspires direction. Number two, it fuels diligence. James tells us in chapter two, it says, one man may say I have faith and the other says I have works, but I will show you my faith by my works. Proverbs chapter 10, four says, he becomes poor who deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Romans chapter 12, 11 says that we should not be lagging in diligence. This is to spiritual leaders that you should not be lagging in diligence, but serve fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, I want to turn to, to Haggai um, because we need to see this. Um, Haggai tells us that that the spirit of God did something in inside of uh zerubbabel it says here haggai chapter 1 verse 14 by some miracle my bible turned right to haggai chapter 1 i'm telling you the lord because i was concerned that it would take too long to get to haggai but i I got there y'all y'all can catch up y'all can catch up i'll I'll wait for you but it's haggai chapter 1 it says here listen to this so the haggai is about the one of the most prolific prophets in all of the old testament has one of the smallest books It was Haggai who raised his voice about rebuilding the temple after the captivity. And he says here, Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, says, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord. Listen, the Holy Ghost can stir your spirit and cause you to work. That's what God can do when you have a devotional life. Your devotional life can fuel your 
diligence. The Spirit of God can stir you up in order to do the work that's required of you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This world tends to be run. You see what's happening in the world today. We're waiting for the church's response. We're waiting to see what the church is going to do or who we're going to be. I've been asking myself, who am I supposed to be during this time of history? Do I just stand idly by or is there something in particular that Nyril Burnett should be doing? But listen, the world is run by people. I know that we say that, well, they're rich, they're wealthy. Honestly, the world is run by people that are just working harder than most of us. A lot of us just aren't doing the work. Um, and, and we're not doing the work because the work, the, 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 the diligence that, that should be there is fueled by our devotional life. That's where we find the strength. Blessed be the Lord, my strength. You hear that? Yeah. Psalm 144, blessed be the Lord, my strength. That's also Psalm chapter 27. The Lord is the strength of my life. Like the strength and ability should be there because the Lord. And it says that he stirred up their spirit. In, in, in Haggai chapter 1, it says, blessed be the Lord, my strength, who teaches my hands to war. But our lack of a devotional life, it literally saps us of the strength that's necessary to do the things that we're called to do. Don't tell me you're called to preach and you don't pray. Yeah. You don't spend that time with the Lord. I'm sorry. Don't tell me you're called to go into the business world and you're not up at four o'clock in the morning sometimes trying to learn the, the things that you need to learn about that area of your discipline. I'm sorry. Don't tell me you're going to become a doctor because God has called you, but you only study occasionally. I'm not going to your office. I'm not going to somebody who said they're a doctor. Yeah, I do this every once in a while, just part time. You know, this is not really my thing, but I, you know, but here, take this medicine. Let me cut your heart open. Let me remove one of your lungs. Right. No, listen, if you're going to be in something, then it ought to be required that you be diligent in that thing that you put in the work and your devotional life does that even among our youth you know uh you know want to be so many different things but are you willing to put in the work yeah you know they want to you know some kids they say well i want to play in the nba right, right? they want to you sure are you sure because from my understanding if you want to play in the nba it's going to change your life, the kind of training you're going to have to do. So God wants us to walk in that type of diligence that makes us uncommon people. You know, as a pastor, I know there's heretics out there. I know that there's false teachers out there. I know there are people out there who, who don't mean everybody well. I get it. The problem is, though, that these people are working hard. And so I can't be lazy and face a whole world full of false teachers who know their falsehood better than I know the truth. And the thing is, the, 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 peop the people of the world, right? They, they're, they're more diligent, they study harder, they network harder, they're healthier, or they don't use their lack of help as an excuse. Mm -hmm. They practice more, they use more studio time musicians, they practice their piano more often, musicians. They write more songs. Listen, we can't listen to some secular artists and say, and say, look, they got all this mess out here. 
they only got to where they got because of the Illuminati. No, girl is not up there dancing them ungodly dances that seem impossible because of the Illuminati. That girl been up practicing all day and all night, training like crazy, while you sitting down eating Twinkies and God has called you. This is what I mean about the world being more shrewd, about the world being more diligent. The world gives their all to their selfish and satanic agenda, but we talk about God and give him our spare time. And this must not be so. But when you have a devotional life, it ought to fuel your diligence. Again, the world is run by people who, stated plainly, they work harder than you. They work harder. They're smarter, stronger, shrewder, more connected, dedicated, focused, and they're not average. They're not. And I've decided that if I'm going to be a servant of the Lord, I am not going to let my enemy work harder than me. My enemy, you know what? I may not be the most gifted. Y'all may not think I'm the best preacher in town. It's okay. It is okay. But I am not going to be outworked by the adversary. I'm not going to be outworked by the enemy. All right, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 no, you're <laughs> good. You're you you good. know, you can have a thousand excuses why you won't move forward. But war doesn't care. The warfare that we're in does not care about your thousand excuses. Well, I was abandoned as a child. Yeah, war doesn't care about that. Devil still wants you dead. That's right. He still wants you dead. I'm dealing with some rejection issues, some failed relationships, some financial problems. Yeah, war doesn't care. But this happened when I was eight years old. This happened when I was 10 years Yeah, war doesn't care about your past. It only wants to destroy you in the present moment. And if you can just get yourself out of the way. Remove me. God, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, remove the envy and the jealousy and the wrath and the anger. That's what your devotion in life should look like. It should be that place of healing so you can function in this world so that your diligence can be fueled. War doesn't care about your weaknesses that you bring to the table. Because your choice not to fight back, your choice not to be diligent, even under the direst circumstances, does not stop you from being targeted by hell. But listen, when hell does come, hell will have to face the strongest version of Nyril Russell Burnett. Jesus, Jesus. Hell will have to face that the, that version of Nyra Burnett that is connected to God, that has a solid life in the presence of God every single day. In him, I move and I live and I have my being. When hell comes, it ought to be terrified. Yes. When hell comes knocking at your door, hell ought to be terrified. Yes. It ought to be shaking in its boots because you've been with Jesus. That's what a devotion life does. It fuels your diligence and you don't back down. Listen, the things you need to do, you get them done. If you're a music person, you know what? It shouldn't be an occasional thing. People should be worried about you. You spending a lot of time on that flute or that piano or that guitar or those drums. When you're a music person, that wasn't for you, flute player. There's a flute player in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, war doesn't care. Your strength and your diligence is driven by devotion. And, and, and stop acting like you can't do this. Right. 
Stop believing the voice of the enemy Amen. that God has put you on this earth for a particular Amen. reason, Amen. but you can't do it. Amen. Amen. You can't be too broke to do what God called you to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know First Love Fellowship was started with a seed with seed money of eighty two million dollars. Right. Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like at all. It was started with a yes. And that was it. God never, you know, it, it's I can't say God never, but God often causes a person to move forward in his will with no evidence that they're actually able to, to, to fulfill it. <laughs> like when he approached Gideon, right? Mm-hmm. Gideon is treading, pre- treading wheat in the wine press. Like you don't shred wheat in the wine press. You tread w- w- wine, in grapes wine. in a wine press. Yeah. He's treading wheat in a wine press, but it's really seemingly because he just wanted to hide from the oncoming enemy. Mm-hmm. it was a good place to hide and God approaches him right there mighty man of valor it's like God doesn't care about where you are right now and Gideon's like I'm the least in my whole father's house I'm the lowest of the low and and God doesn't even care about that you know his father was an idolater and, and, and you know we, we can talk about this some other day but one of the first things that God had him do was tear down his father's idols right and that's a huge thing uh, that, that we need to learn to do but but listen God does not need your help. I remember saying, you know, well, if we start this publishing company, we'll be able to then um, get the monies necessary to do the work of God in ministry. And so every time we started the publishing company, every time we moved forward, no problem getting clients. You realize we always had clients, enough clients sure to, to have the, 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 the provision we needed. Like if God had actually wanted us to do that. But he did not let it work because he did not need our help to do the work of the ministry. So I'm just letting you know, listen, you can do this. You are capable. It's just your devotion life is going to help you to believe that. Because right now you don't. But you got to get before God. You know, you can be called to be this mighty evangelist or missionary of God. And, you know, you don't have two pennies to rub together to do it. And God is, do you think God needs that? He doesn't need that. He just needs your yes. But you're not going to find your yes without a devotional life. You're not. You're going to find excuses in your de- w- without a devotional life. Excuses. You're going to find reasons, and they're going to sound good, and then you're just going to live your life and be miserable. And I'm telling you, you just get tired of being miserable. Um, you know, one thing I wrote down here, why, why should God work around your laziness? Oh, I'm asking, why should God work around your laziness? Oh, my God. You want academic excellence and you want God to bless you in school and you not, you're not studying? Uh, why should God work around that? You deserve that F. You earned it. Right? God, God doesn't have to work around your, your laziness. You believe in God for promotion at work and you're not the person who's getting the job done? Listen, you deserve your non-promotion. They say, you know, what well, promotion comes from the Lord. Yeah, that's true. So does, so does the, your, your diligence. If you're not diligent, what are you expecting? See, we, I think in a church we have this, this, this mentality of we want things we have not earned because we've, mis, we've misinterpreted scriptures. We want things we, we've, we've not earned. We want to reap in fields that we have not sown in, right? And so that's how we govern our actual life when really God will stir up your spirit to do what's necessary. I used to work with a guy when I was back in, in the, the, the corporation and and. I admired him because he was so 
diligent. Like he would just nonstop, just go, 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 go all the time. Go, go. His, his go switch was always on. And I found myself having to play catch up with him all the time because he was just overwhelmingly that, that constant go. And he was a fellow believer. And he just had this go. Now, 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 back then, he was a fellow co-worker of mine. Today, he has doctor in front of his name. Because his go was always going. His go was always on. There was another guy, the same thing. One of the nicest, another fellow believer. One of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Now, today, he's another one. And he, 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 got, he this one got into medicine. The other one got into finance. But he, you know, you can tell the people that are going to excel. Y'all, we're too lazy. That's, you want to know why you're not prospering? Forget your excuses. You're too lazy. You have not surrendered your laziness to God in your devotional life. You've not repented of your laziness. You've not repented of your lethargy, sleeping for hours and hours just for no reason at all. Like, if you can find the energy to eat, find the energy to work. The, what does it say? A man that doesn't work, work doesn't eat. Doesn't eat. Find the like, but you find that energy in your devotional life. Finally, I'm sorry because I'm I'm gonna I'll, I'll go I'll stay there for 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 a long time. And, and by the way, if you're working within the church, it the same principle applies. We're talking about we want to we want to reach the world with the gospel of Christ, and we want to we want to plant house churches. We want to we want to reach out to the poor and the needy, and and go to the highways and the byways. Well, who is gonna do that? <laughs> you, me, we're gonna do this together. But if we all carry a lazy spirit, nothing will get done, and nothing should get done. We deserve failure. If you are lazy, you have earned your failure. This is hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard for some of us, but we got to hear it. If you are lazy, you've earned your failure. I, I was watching the other day on the news where Alicia Keys, she put out some kind of a, 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 a post in support for Hamas, right? And then she said something like, and I think I'm going to take up paragliding. And she put a little picture of the, the paragliding thing. You know how they paraglided on October 7th? Into, yeah, she actually did that. I was outraged. I was outraged. She actually said that. And, and then she tried to retract it and say, no, the paragliding thing had nothing to do with what I originally said. <sighs> now, listen, I, I know. See, you're outraged. It's outrageous. But listen, it's Alicia Keys who said that. And somebody was, well, who is she? Who does she think she is? You know who she is? She's the one that went to Juilliard School of Music and practiced the piano for literally eight hours every single day because she felt that her purpose in life was to sing and play the piano. That's who she is. Jesus. And we begging the saints, worship leaders, hone in on your calling because the world is working much harder than you and they're putting out mess. All while we're making excuses as to why we can't do what God put us on this earth to do. Y'all, this is an abomination that there is a world waiting for the children of God to manifest. What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for some light to come from heaven and all of a sudden we manifest? 
Maybe just we got a lazy spirit. Oh, the lazy spirit. I'm telling you, you got to do warfare against the lazy spirit. You, you do. You do. Some of us, you know, we only work when we, get the, when we get the feeling to do it. No, when you're really over a lazy spirit, you're working when you don't feel like doing it. Is there not a cause? The first thing that a devotional life does, and this is not an exhaustive list, but the first thing that a devotional life does, it, is, it, it inspires direction. Second thing, the, the devotional life, it fuels diligence. The third thing it does is it governs desire. Governs desire because you don't want to work incredibly hard on the wrong thing. Romans chapter 8, 26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There we go again with that praying in the Spirit. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We already talked about Mark uh, eleven twenty four about forgiving. What things, uh, no, I'm sorry, go back. It's what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive it and you shall have it. It says what things soever you desire. Well, how do you even know what you want? See, God himself tells you what you want. Mark, Matthew 21 tells us what things soever you desire in prayer, believing you will receive. These are absolute promises from God. And when you have a devotional life, your desires get governed. James tells us when you pray, you ask amiss so that you can spend it on your lusts. See, we don't want to ask amiss. We want to pray the actual will of God and pray what he says we should have. Listen, look at this. You know, the centurion came to Jesus begging for help. And he says, my servant lies at home and he's paralyzed. And Jesus literally says, I will come and heal him. Like he makes his intention clear. The centurion wanted something and Jesus said yes. But he already said yes. He said yes when he made the promise prior to this event. Whatever events you have in your life. Whatever events you have going on right now, you have to ask yourself, has God said yes to this thing already? Are your desires in line with what God's desires are? If you're just money motivated, if you're just motivated by worldly lust and worldly desire, then forget it. You know what? You're not even in this thing. But desire indeed is something you discover. You go to God to find out what you want. We don't, look, the scripture says, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know what we want. But God knows what we need. And so we have to, dis the journey of a devotional life is to discover and find out exactly what God wants us to have. Now, with all of this, we need the Holy Spirit. We need a strong devotional life. We need the kind of devotional life that's consistent where we're always running after God to do his will and fulfill his desire. But what we must stop is this idea that a devotional life is somehow optional. Oh, it's not optional. It's needed for a time like this. The day that we're living in, we need believers in Christ who walk by faith. But you're not going to have the faith that's necessary without a strong devotional life. 
So when we pray, let's make sure that we're ending our own self-will and moving forward in the will of God so that he can be glorified alone and so that you can find your place in this world and be all that God called you to be in Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope this is a help to you. I hope you hear the spirit of the Lord and don't look at the people that are speaking to you as common. When people are ministering to you, you're not supposed to just see them. You're supposed to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you do. And if you have not given your life to Jesus, and we have to now do altar calls for those people that think they're saved. Yeah. And you think you're on your way to heaven, but you're not. Because you have a spirit of unbelief that causes you not to live a life devoted to him by praying and reading your word. If you have not made that decision, I hope that you make that today to choose to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, ask the Lord to come into your life and be complete Lord that if you believe this gospel, that you will now walk it out. That is your choice. Heaven is closer now more than ever. Tomorrow's not promised to you. I know we talk about Generation Z and X and the ones, the millennials. They're close. They're, they're, they're dying. For 2020, from COVID, so many children have passed yeah. away. Yeah. So many teenagers, so many young adults are passing away. So don't assume that you're going to live forever for you to do your due and do your dirty and then you can come back to God. Don't play with God. He is not to be played with. He is holy and he's calling you to holiness. So let's bow our heads and we'll pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. Father, Father, we thank you for what you've done on the cross for us. Yes, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that Lord... You will draw those people to you, that they will have a hunger and thirst for a devotional life, but not just to do, but to be what God has called them to be. I ask you, Holy Spirit, give us the grace and the diligence to do what you have asked us to do, which is to be diligent, to have a devotional life, to read our Bibles and to pray every day so that we can be like you, walk like you, talk like you, and then lead others to you. Father, we thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name. I just want to say that uh, if thank you for joining us, and, you know, we always give you the desire, to the ability to come and minister, and not minister, but minister to us with your giving and minister to God with your giving. I want you to know that you're sowing into good ground. We're about to do restorative discipleship. Those of you, we're needing $4,700 more. If the Lord has spoken to you and you have it to, and I, I don't even want to say if the Lord has spoken to you. If you have it to do, yeah. do it. If you have it to do, do it so that God's work can be done. Um, I just want to say, and I, you know, um, I just got a, a, a message while we were preaching of a major leader in the ministry and you will hear about it I just want to prepare your heart 
it was devastating. It, it took everything in me not to start crying while we were preaching. It's devastating. If it is true, and the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I want those of you that are watching, I always say this because this always shakes every generation when they find out a major leader in the body of Christ says, you know, right now it's alleged. That's what I'm reading. But there are victims. Um, it's not just one person. There are victims. And so they are having outside sources do investigation on it um, but my heart is grieved and the reason why I I always say you have to keep your eyes on Jesus we are imperfect people and this is why your devotional life is so important that you cannot be enamored I am not enamored with how many people are, are feeling like they're responsible I know the video is not showing but listen just listen to me you have to keep your eyes on Jesus in the day that we're living in there's going to be a lot more coming out yeah. keep your eyes on Jesus and young people I'm telling you be careful where you go online be careful what you do online be careful the influence online has on you just protect yourself cover yourself get into your devotional time and ask the Lord to deal with those issues in your heart that you know you're still struggling with if it's not dead in you get in your prayer closet don't be enamored with the lights and you're called to sing and called to minister and called to do this and you're doing stuff in church just get before God and do not be moved by the things that you're going to hear just keep your eyes on Jesus let the fear of the Lord come on you and say, if it could happen to anyone, it could happen to me. Let me keep my life clean before God. There's a difference between struggling with sin and chilling in it. Don't chill in it. Don't chill in it. You will lose your soul. Don't chill in it. Just because you think people have a, have, you have a voice with people. And you cannot be found out. The Bible says your sins will find you out. So, strive against sin. Strive against it. If it's in your life, the Bible says confess your sin one to another so that you may be healed. I'm struggling right now. Don't hide it. Don't hide your sins. Talk to somebody. Nobody has any heaven or hell to put you in. Don't stay in your sin. Because you feel like you have to save face. Be real. We're living in some times. You have to be real. And none of us are exempt. I don't care who it is. None of us are exempt. So we've got to be walk circumspectly and seriously about what we are to do. God bless you. We will see you next time on First Love Online Church. Thank you so much for listening. 
Your generous support enables us to continue to fulfill our mission to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can offer additional financial support by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. Always remember your first love.